Hi. Okay, <laughs> Catherine, I have missed you so. Um, likewise, Jade. That's how we know we have real love. It's like when we're off for summer break that yes. we actually miss each other. Oh, it's so true. It's so Especially true. Especially when we had one unanticipated extra week. We did. I got because I got COVID. COVID. Your girl got got. I really feel like the universe hit like has been listening to these episodes and number one knew that I've been bragging about not getting COVID. Yeah. And that number two, last week, I was guilty of bragging about going to Greece because <laughs> Greece did not happen. See, the thing was, have you heard about all these airline I have only heard about it secondhand, like that oh my God. crazy cancellations in Europe. Yeah, like people are stuck in Europe. People are stuck in L.A. I got stuck on the ladder in Los Angeles. Because then they like, for you, they like moved up your flight by a day and then they canceled it, right? Yes. That's insane. Which like should be illegal to move up your flight. Agreed. I was running around Los Angeles like a chicken. I don't know why I keep saying Los Angeles, L.A. Like I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I swear, like, thank God my bikini waxer could take me. Imagine if I had to go full bush. But, like, you'd also have to, like, get a hotel for an extra day in wherever exactly. you're going. What if they're yeah. booked? Like, what? That's insane. No, it was it was extremely unkind. So they did that to us. And we got to the airport. Thank God we didn't, like, check in our bags or anything. Right. Because the guy in line, like, when we were getting in line to check in, he was like, oh, are you on the 5 o'clock? Your flight's canceled. And I was like, <gasps> fuck you. Okay, fine. Great. What? So we waited there for a little while, realized that there we could not get onto any other airline. Like, truly, what? it was impossible. And they're supposed to rebook you, but there was, like, a medical emergency, which was why actually mine was canceled. Uh-huh. And then the crew would have been, like, working too long to send a right. new plane, and it was, like, a whole mess. So they were like, it might be, like, rescheduled for tomorrow, but probably not. So I'm, like, checking my phone every two hours, like, in the middle of the night, seeing if we can make it. And we were supposed to meet my family there. Yeah. And they're already there. And, like, where, where we were going, you need a helicopter to get to after mm-hmm. the plane. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was like the helicopter can't fly at night. So you're going to have to spend a night here and spend a night there. And what? it was like just painful. And we wouldn't have gotten there in time for, to see everybody. So I was like pouting. I, I, I'll yeah. admit your girl was pout. I was like very – because I was packed. You know what I mean? You're ready to leave. I already dropped off Taco, which yes. I cried this time, which was Aww. a little embarrassing. I know. Everybody thought that you like gave Taco away. No, everyone thought like- Taco died. I know. I'm really <laughs> sorry for that false advertising. He did not die. She Let just had to leave show. him for seven full days. I just, I just had to leave him <laughs> at Dylan's parents' house. It was traumatic, honestly. And so then I had to spend a night in L.A. without him, which was also crazy. Yeah, so then, like, I was talking to my travel agent, and he was, like, telling me all these options for, like, how to get there, and all of them were headache-inducing. At some point, you just have to be like, you know what? This is not worth it. It's not worth it. So a normal person probably would have said, oh, we'll take a trip, like, in a couple weeks, and, you know, maybe, like, take a beat, plan a trip. I was like, where can you get me in out of the country like this week? That's actually and amazing, so he's like, though. I was like, I'll go fucking anywhere. Well, actually, that's <laughs> not true. I had to go somewhere where like our suitcases that were already on the brink of explosion like could have gone. I didn't want to repack. <laughs> Don't say I'm on a plane. Don't say I'm on oh, a yeah, plane. That's, that's true. Seriously. No, but I had to go to a beach destination. Yes, correct. So to Turks and Caicos we went. I've never been to Turks and Caicos. Wow, where even is that? Is it Caribbean? Don't ask me that question. I have no... <laughs> it's okay. I just went to the British Virgin Islands and I did not know where in the world it was until the I last I day the I looked British, it up. Are Turks and Caicos not in the British Virgin Islands? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I got, a, I got a stamp on my passport so I know it's out of the country. Amazing. But we went to Turks and Caicos, which was great. Dylan and I, we had just like a little honeymoon kind of trip mm-hmm. and it was amazing. But then 
but then the flight home. <laughs> First of all, if you've ever been to the Turks and Caicos airport or if you're ever thinking about going, don't go. That airport is honestly, for the amount of fun and like good times I had in Turks and Caicos, it was all ruined by that airport. Oh, wow. The airport is like one room that everyone's <gasps> packed into like sardines. First oh of all, God. I don't even know if like this is the hot time to go to Turks and Caicos, but how many times can I say Turks and Caicos in this one episode? <laughs> but you're packed like sardines, truly. And every flight boards like at the same time and in the same line. So it's a miracle you even get in the right flight. It was mayhem. It was anarchy. Truly crazy. And then no one had a mask. You couldn't find a mask in sight, like within a hundred mile radius. They're oh like they're like, mask. Why would yeah. you have a mask? Like it was truly like pre-COVID. Like everyone was like, what? Like they look at me like I was crazy. Yeah. I got called obnoxious, I will admit, because I tied my sweater around my head. Because the girl behind me, you can't cough. Like, you can't say bomb on a plane. You cannot cough on a plane that in, tw- is in this climate, in this economy. Do not cough. You cannot. No. no. Like, you hold that in. Your eyes should be watering. I don't care if you have asthma. Step outside, ma'am. Step, Step outside. Out, throw yourself outside you the plane You don't cough around other people. You don't fart around other people. Go right. in privacy. No, those are my two rules, like, to be in a, a relationship with me. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, truly, I was shocked by people's just yeah. free coughing all over this flight. Uh. And I knew it. I knew I was getting it. In fact, I even recorded a video of myself saying, I'm getting COVID right now. And <laughs> lo and behold, God was like, fuck you, Jade. You are. <laughs> And I did. And I got OG COVID. Like, I was texting people like, oh, my God, did you have this symptom? They're like, oh, no, that's, like, from the first strain. Yeah. Like, I got, like, the OG label COVID. Like, loss of taste and smell. Yep. Which, if you haven't experienced that, you haven't visited hell. No. I didn't. I was just like, I need a nap in the afternoons. Like, that was all that got me. No. Like, (laughs) my body is, like still struggling it's so weird to lose your taste and smell like i've never done such intuitive conscious eating like only (laughs) eating until i'm full and it's no way to live it's no (laughs) way to live it's like such an unintentional diet and then you're also dying so like your body you know my body was not happy with me at the end also that compounded with not getting the munchies every night because i couldn't smoke Mm -hmm. my body was like what's what's what the fuck is going on your body is like goop.com yeah no seriously (laughs) health and wellness to you and yours like it was unbelievable it was unbelievable (sighs) So tell me about this woman with the feet. Oh, my God. Okay, so you had a crazy travel experience. I also had a crazy travel experience. So, I mean, coming back yesterday from my family trip, which was yeah, in Catherine Wisconsin. Yeah, was also on vacation. I was. Uh, vacation <laughs> is a loose term. It's a loose... As it came out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. One of my other friends was like, have fun. Oh, we yeah. were going to a memorial. Um <laughs> All my cousins and this particular aunt died like 10 years ago. She was like the OG fun aunt before it was cool to be a fun aunt. She was very like jokey and smoked a lot and all this. You know, she was just like your frizzy hair, crazy aunt who was always a fun time. But so we stayed at this cabin and I will say the word resort in a very loose term. It was this Northwoods, Wisconsin, Manitowish Waters Resort, quote unquote. Well, I don't know what any of those words you just used. What okay. Mani- Manischewitz? What did you just <laughs> Manitowish? Oh, Manitowish. Okay. You have to understand, I hadn't been to the valley and, and I lived in Los Angeles my whole life. I hadn't been to the valley like until I was 21 years old. So, okay. We understand. That's incredible. That's incredible. So, we get to this place. 
This place, Jade, has not been renovated by my trough since the 70s. Like green flat carpeting throughout the whole upstairs. It was semi-clean. I was going to say or cleaned. The sheets, I was like, right, we need to check these sheets while it's light out because otherwise we'll be going somewhere else. The sheets were clean, thankfully. Oh, okay. So my aunt who organized the whole thing, she had been like, oh, Brad and Catherine, I didn't know you were coming. We don't have enough beds, but like, we'll make it work. And like, my brother had brought an extra cot. And- oh, Christ. Those are literally my least favorite words. We'll make yes. it work. We'll make I don't it work. Like those. So the day we decided to do the memorial. But like, can I just ask a question? You buried this person, right? Like, they're already like ashes. Ashes. Okay. okay. She was cremated. Okay. Okay, but were they just kept on ice, like, until you planned this? Or was that not part of it? The burial was not part of it. (laughs) So she was cremated right after her death. Right. And so my dad and my sister just, like, had her ashes for a really long time. So they drove up with the ashes. Good thing to know, I think, at least in Illinois, it is illegal to, quote-unquote, dump ashes. So we go to Papoose Lake. There's, like, a little teeny dock out onto the water. It's really beautiful. It's very quiet. Is this part of the Manischewitz lakes? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so this lake is spring-fed, so it's extra cold. Catherine, you you talked to me like I would know what that meant. (laughs) (laughs) Have we met from Springland? Spring-fed. Deep in the earth. Okay, got it. Tapping into a vein of Lake Superior is a phrase that I heard this weekend. So, you know, we sing a little song that she loved. That's nice. It was really nice. We shared stories. So we decided to take some pictures together. This was a really beautiful place. We took some pictures. Are you incriminating yourself? Is this spring fed thing about to are you about to get arrested? I'm like, I've seen the end of this movie. Actually, even better than that. Like (laughs) during the memorial, I'm thinking like like, that's like where we get crystal geyser water, I feel like. (laughs) Like this is literally (laughs) now we're gonna have Aunt Deb. Aunt Deb's ashes are in it. Oh my god. So we're taking some pictures at the edge of this dock, and then we decided, like, let's get a picture of everybody. So all my cousins, all my sister's kids and my cousin's kids, my aunt, my dad, my mom, everybody, everybody but Brad is, like, piling onto this dock. Why not Brad? Brad well, he's, he's setting up the, fi- the photo. Oh, I was like, they don't let him into family photos? Like, what the hell? Okay. <laughs> it's okay. We've been married for 13 years. He, he's earned a place at this point. Yes. So we're all on this dock. He's setting up the photo. All of a sudden... Somebody yells, it's moving, it's moving. And the whole dock collapses over and like sinks oh down. God. Mimsy was on the dock. It was oh my a God. whole ridiculous thing. Then all of a sudden, like my nephew yells out because one of the like piers had tilted down and like pinched him in between the dock and the pier part. By the way, by the way, my first question when you said where you were staying was, where is the nearest hospital? Like, because there can't be one nearby. No, there's not. Thankfully, Brad rushed into the water, lifted up the pier. My sister thinks that she did it all by herself with mom's strength, but she did not. It was Brad's. That's such an older sister thing to say. But I fully bailed off into the water because I like saw he was trapped and I was like, let me get my weight off of this. You just said, Jesus, take the wheel. Let's get in there. Jade asked me how I had water up to my like collarbones. Was totally <laughs> soaked in one foot of water. Ask me how I was like so close to shore. I was like, how am I this soaking wet? Honestly, if I die, I'm gonna make something funny like that happen at my funeral. You got, literally, I mean, you know. I had been like, is Aunt Deb gonna like show herself in these like beautiful dragonflies on the lake? No, she showed herself by like dumping us all into the water. That's fucking genius. I believe in that wholeheartedly. So, yeah, it was a really great trip. 
This lady on the plane, though, on the way back, was so insane. She was like, kept trying to interact with me. Brad was sitting somewhere else on our way back. And this crazy woman sits across the aisle from me. She was just like, tits out, no bra, granny lady. Like, I love her already. <laughs> yeah. She was a lot. She was well meaning, kooky old lady, but I was a little bit done with her by the end of the flight. This woman immediately took her shoes off on the plane. Mm-mm-mm. She was putting her naked feet all over the people's armrests in front of her. Ugh. She was putting them in the back seat back pocket as like a oh, footrest. No. She was like oh, drinking no. plain vodka on ice, like just to paint a picture of this woman. <laughs> she kept like trying to pet Mimsy, but then once she was like rubbing her feet and then like after she rubbed her feet was like eating chips and like sucking her fingers i was like no you're Ew. not you're not touching my dog anymore i had to like, actually tell her no this woman jade went to the bathroom two times with no shoes on ew two times i think that's grosser for her it's very ew. much grosser for her you know how messy men are yeah they so pee on gross. the floor she was like playing video poker with the sound all the way turned up for like 15 minutes and then she just like passed out Honestly, travel at your own risk. Travel at your own risk right now. It is dangerous out there. You're either going to be like traumatized by someone's feet or get COVID. Those those are your options. nuts. And your flight will be canceled. And you won't get your bag. And you will not get your bag. No. It's crazy out there for real. Oh, my God. I heard this quote the other day that really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. This is very serious, but I really it really fucking stuck with me. And it says that you can't heal someone else's inner child at the expense of your own. Tell me more about what that means to you. Okay, shit. I'm like, fuck. I didn't- <laughs> so like, okay, let's say like my inner child is a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I have those tendencies because of things I experienced as a child. But then someone else is like acting a fool because of their inner child bullshit. Yeah. Like. Maybe they take advantage. Like a taker. Someone is a taker. Right. Mm. And so you can never heal someone else's inner child at the expense of your own. And I just was like, I like that. I like that a lot. Yes. So maybe you guys can tell us what it actually means and like give us a better example. But yeah. I, I like it. I know I like it. I may not I like understand it. it fully, but I know I like it. I like it a lot. I know. And then I thought of adding it to my depression folder, which I haven't shared about on here before. No. So I have like this folder on my desktop that, which is stupid that it's on my desktop. It should be on my phone because it's hard to access. You know what I mean? I'm like not on my desktop all the time. But anyway, it's like a folder that has not just like achievements or things, but moments where I was like Mm. really happy, videos I find really funny, like old childhood photos. It's like a dopamine bucket. Yeah. So it's like when I feel depressed or when I feel like, oh, like hopeless, you know, like any of those, like my depression starts to flare up. Like if I feel super, a certain flavor of anxiety, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? If I feel like that, like, oh, I haven't amounted to anything or I hate my past. Yeah. I like look back because especially when you get really depressed, so much of it, you're like, I don't even remember what it's. It's like when you're sick, right? Mm -hmm. You have COVID and you're like, I forget what it's like to be healthy. Yeah, and you're like, when will this end? Yes, you're like, and probably yeah. will never end. Like, I'll have this for yep. the rest of my life. This is my cross to bear, yada, yada, yada. Yes. You know how it goes. So when you feel like that, you can't really remember or access. I don't know what it does mm. to your memory, mm-hmm. or like maybe it's just hard to remember. You don't remember like 
the good moments or like the times yes. you lo- you're like, I haven't laughed in six years and yeah. like blah, blah, blah. And so it's nice to just like have this one location of like a bunch of, and it can be super random. It can be a color, you know, mm-hmm. like that you just mm-hmm. screenshot and save. Mm-hmm. It can be a whole plethora of things. You know, you just, I might add that quote to the depression drawer, but it's not, yeah. it's not really a room. It's not a place for quotes. It's not really a place for quotes. It's more for like visual because like when you're depressed, you're so not lazy, but like defeated. Yeah. Instant hits. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's like instant little hits of dopamine. So create a depression folder. I highly, highly recommend it. I, but trade, and do I'm it trademarking on your phone. it right now. Yeah. Do it on your phone. <laughs> Don't do it where I do it, where I literally never look at it. I do on my Instagram like saved stuff. I have a saved tab of things that make me laugh or that I find funny yeah. for exactly that reason. And I have never once looked at it. Like there's probably 10,000 things in there. But as I said it out loud, I was like, you know, I, it's, it is like one of those things, but it is like a good safety net. Once you remember that you, you have know it, it's there. Yeah. You know, you know like there. whether it's like you like laughing with a friend or like when you looked really cute one day, yeah. you know, it could be really anything. A series of comments on a picture you got once. Mm-hmm. Oh, birthday oh, like texts. That. Birthday texts are always good yes. to save on there. We're going to look at them more. We're going to we're going to we're going to do ourselves. it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Yeah. So Catherine is coming to my wedding, which I mean, <gasps> how many minutes passed without me mentioning my wedding for Christ's sake. <laughs> so while we were in Turks and Caicos, we sent out our save the dates and Yay. Catherine is coming, thank God, and her husband, Brad. I immediately was like, I'm sorry I'm texting you about this, but yeah, I cannot wait. Hell, I'm so excited. But so I, it got me thinking because actually three people have DM'd me separately. Okay. I don't even know why they would think I have any advice on this because I'm <laughs> truly the worst person about going places by myself. But they were asking me, like, because a lot everyone's and their fucking mother is getting married right now. Yes. What do you do if you get invited to a wedding without a plus one? Mm-hmm. And, like, let's say you only know the bride and groom mm-hmm. or you only know the bride and groom and some people in the wedding. You know, you don't know anyone in the yeah. audience, anyone, like, in yes. the gen pop crowd. Yes. Which is important. Even at a party. It's, like, if the only person you know is the person who's hosting, like, you got to, like, dig in and, like, find Can I somewhere. tell you? I, like, thought it was a good idea. I was, like, in the exposure part of my therapy. Uh-huh. And my therapist was, like, you know, you need to do certain things. Just, like, push yourself out of the nest, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. I took that a little too seriously. And I literally went to this party where I knew fucking no one. Yes. Fucking – I realized later I could have invited Dylan. Like, I found out way after the fact. Yeah. I did not know a soul. But, like, good for you. You know, it was, like, actually bad. Like, that's that's why I can't have good advice about, the like, the wedding <laughs> question or any or anyone going to a party by themselves because I was horrible at it. I just sat at the bar kind of, like, awkwardly and everyone was mm-hmm. staring at me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like weddings are actually a little more, like, they lend themselves a little more to, like, getting to know yeah. other people. But anyway, I have a few pieces of advice that are not from my experience because I literally called Dylan and I was like, pick me up. Like he dropped me off. And five minutes later, I was like, I got to get out of here. No, it lasted for like two hours, honestly. Oh, there you go. It was was not experience. It was, that's exactly what it was. It was like a really painful exposure experience. (laughs) Like really, really, really painful. Do you have some advice for people? I feel like you're better at that shit than I am. Oh, I definitely have advice about this. So I think I would do a multi-staged approach to this. Okay. First being, if you know this is going to be the case, as in like your friends DMing you, being like, holy shit, I'm going to be there by myself. Right. You need to ask the bride or groom if they have someone like me, Catherine, who is outgoing and friendly and can kind of 
kind of talk to anybody and will help shepherd the singletons into a great time. I think that is mega awesome. Okay, so that's a word to the host. Yes, to the host. You play matchmaker beforehand. If you are the person who is going alone, again, I would say reach out to the host. Ask if there's going to be anyone else who's a singleton at your table, which might put the idea in their mind. Please put some singletons at the same table. Yeah, or give me a fucking plus one, you wench. Right, exactly. Or ask them just like, is there anybody else that you think I should chat with? That can be preemptive. I think okay. during the actual event, first of all, get yourself an alcoholic beverage immediately. If you're immediately. sober, you can't go to a party by yourself. You it's can't. like it's against the rules. I'm Truly. Sorry, you cannot. My, that's that's my tip is if you are at a party by yourself, like typically a wedding, if you're at a wedding by yourself, you got to make your place in the line for cocktails. Yes, yes. Station yourself. Okay, thank you. You have to station yourself in the cocktail line, in yes. the bar line, because mm-hmm. people, A, are friendlier over there. Yep. And there's more turnover. Right. They're less likely to remember you being embarrassing. Exactly. You know, or like making small talk. Exactly. They're like there for a purpose, so they're not there for too long. Once they get their drink, they're out, so you don't get caught yes. in conversation. Right, exactly. Because like I would be that girl that would be like, Oh, they're grandparents. Let me go up to them and hear about like the Great Depression. You know what I mean? Or like some bullshit like for three hours because it'd be yeah. a safe space. Mm-hmm. And I do really well with the like over 80 But crowd. that's okay. T- <laughs> but that's like okay too. That's yeah. okay too. If that's who you want to talk to. So that's that's my advice. And I yeah. also, but to, to your point, I also think like in addition to like that generous bride if she or groom or whatever, if they do pair you up with a blind date, mm-hmm. wonderful. But I think also like You know, if there's, like, a distant friend that you kind of know Mm -hmm. is going or, like, you know, someone that you've, like, maybe fallen out of touch with or something, send them a little, like, DM before. Like, do some some groundwork beforehand and be like, hey, are you going to this wedding? Or, like, even just comment on their pictures if you're too embarrassed. Like, even just just set up a little dialogue. Like, comment back on their Instagram story or something. You know what I mean? Plant the seed. This is what is the key in the lock for me at these types of situations. It feels a little clunky, but it Mm -hmm. is less clunky than it feels. That's true. You kind of just have to go up to people and be like, hey, how do you know the bride or groom? Oh, my gosh. And just like start talking. Yes. that's You took my – no, I literally Ah! was like, you have to say – you got to enter. You just got to do it. the bride and groom? You got to go in, guns blazing, ready to be – a new friend. And you know what? Here's what I find often happens to me in those situations, whether it's me and Brad who are alone at a wedding or just me who's yeah. alone at a wedding, is you often find like, oh, everybody else seems like they all know each other, but guess what? They actually don't. And there's totally. like people who are talking who are like chummy chummy and you think they know each other, but they actually just met. And so right. you can sort of easily go in there or even if two people are talking, like how do you guys know each other? And then yeah. you kind of, you know, it's just like getting in there Start that little awkward small talk and like that, then you probably will have a friend for the next three hours. And then I think my advice to the other people with like social anxiety or, you know, whatever the fuck mental illness we have, Mm -hmm. find a place where you can like seek refuge, you know, Mm -hmm. like whether it's like a bathroom Mm -hmm. that's close by or like somewhere where people like can't see you entirely. Also, Mm -hmm. wow, the girl's bathroom is probably a great place to make some friends. You can just be the bathroom attendant of the event. Just be in there, hand people some paper towels, you know. (laughs) Make yourself useful. No, but I feel like finding a place where you can like breathe and not be an extrovert for like five seconds is also a key. Yes. Whether that's maybe stepping outside or, yeah, girls' bathroom. You got to do something. A quiet corner to go home for a few minutes and recharge. It's true. 
Yes. Okay, those are a piece of advice. But like, please, God, please tell me. I'm so excited to hear about all of you guys going to weddings by yourself. Yes. You should do a little Insta story. Ask me anything. What's your, what do you I do? I will. I'll do like, because there isn't a lot of good advice out there, you know, for no. that. It's hard. It's not for the faint of heart. So if you're doing it, give yourself like a big reward when you get home. You know, like get yourself an ice cream sundae. Let yourself watch your favorite show and disappear Uh for five days. Yep. Absolutely. You just did like huge exposure. Especially if it's destination. (gasps) Oh, yeah. The horror. Yeah. (gasps) Yeah. And also like when in doubt, just like turn the table. Like when you're just like when I'm feeling insecure, I just like get mean, you know, just start judging the wedding, start judging the people at the wedding in your own, the privacy of your own head, you know, Mm -hmm. go into it as a like, do I like them approach rather than like, do they like me? And then, and then drink more. Forget it. Yeah, exactly. Drink until you literally black out and can't remember. Well, maybe not quite black out because then you're the messy bitch at the wedding. (laughs) That's why no one should ask me for advice. Pre-blackout, get yourself in bed. And like kind of like leave – like don't be on your phone the whole – like I would be guilty of that. No, see, yes, that is key. You have to like ditch your phone as hard as it is. Ditch your phone. Unless you're having your quiet time, but Mm -hmm. like put away your phone. Especially in the beginning, you've got to just engage. you got to just go Go talk to people. Go in for it. You got this. Okay, another quick little thing people have consistently asked me in my DMs Yes, is like, what bra are you wearing? And this I find to be a very loaded mm. question, but I think that you and I can give some good, I mean, different I can't give advice. any advice because I have, we can give different <laughs> advice because of our <laughs> boob difference. Yes. But like, I have like these two Target bras. Uh-huh. One is like, I can't, they discontinue. You know, like those right. little like micro brands within yes. Target that yeah. like don't exist outside of Target. Mm-hmm. They're like those brands. And then I recently, though, I just got this Calvin Klein bra Mm -hmm. that is kind of giving – but I only have two bras that I wear every single motherfucking day of the week. And if you find that disgusting, I find you disgusting. (laughs) That's how I feel. No. Everyone wears the same bras all of the time. All of them. You never wash How many bras do you have? Tell me the truth. How many bras bras do I have? I have a lot of bras. Do you? But, like, once I do. Like, I probably have 20 bras. Do you just wipe my nose on my knee? <laughs> and you know what? I love you for it. I am so glad you are comfortable enough. I don't with have me. a tissue around here. <laughs> you did fully bend over and wipe your nose on your knee. I, it was really amazing. But in your Sorry. defense, her pants are white and gauzy, so it felt appropriate. <laughs> they are tissue esque, <laughs> tissue X esque pants. Yes. Okay, no, but. I, I literally wear the two same bras every fucking day. But mm. do you have like a cute bra, like lingerie? I don't even have a lingerie. Mm. I have a cute bra on today because I mean, my mom just went bra shopping at the fancy bra shop. But wow. And like all my bras are like at least 10 years old. No, see, mine are newer than that because they just get shot after a while. Yeah. And I got to have something to hold the girls up. Also, I've like ranged in sizes. I know. Yeah, your, your bras work a little harder than mine do. My problem is my bra, my boobs are like goldfish. They, if I gain weight, my boobs get bigger as I gain weight. And when I lose weight, my boobs stay the same size. So like literally they just keep growing That's to amazing. fit the expanse. No, Catherine, you're the envy of the town. For real. That's <laughs> unbelievable. But it's like you can't get pregnant because that would no, just be. it would be insane. A back problem. I will be like one of those ladies who are like drooping down to their, you know. Yeah. Like I've had the same size boobs forever. So oh, I'm like, but jealous. I don't know any, guys, there are like not good bra companies out there. Like I'm yeah. about to like, I was literally about to name six that I hate, but I'm not going to because no. we never know who's going to be listening to this podcast. <laughs> but all those companies that you see advertised on Instagram, like do not fucking believe it. No, it's bullshit. It's, it is really bullshit. Uh-huh. Like every bra is like horrible. Like I don't even know. First of all, I like an underwire maybe 
but like no padding. Do your pros have padding? No. 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 Cannot do padding. The only ones I do have that are like slightly padded are like ones that I'm going to wear under like a significant outfit like nothing yeah. like a corset but you can't situation wear, like, or one of halloween like i'm i'm showing Catherine my breasts that's right okay now. You, i'll show you mine mom call them breasts my mom calls them breasts you don't you can't wear like one of know. these little like t-shirt numbers right i mean like a t-shirt bra yeah like that has the kind of smooth molded cup i don't know no. not molded not mm. molded like uh, that's that's where a lot of people think small boobed people can wear those yeah you gotta have some cute ass shaped boobs you know what i mean like under a tank top right because otherwise it's just gaping it does not look cute they look like no. little like sausages like pressed together <laughs> you know but like it's really it's really a problem like i wear nipple covers that's where i do exercise yeah. my privilege i wear nipple covers like exclusively yeah. almost yeah, but then you wear a bra every day. Like, do you feel weird if you go out without a bra? Or no, no, I did it last night. Oh, I do man. it all the time. I that is the jo- I'm so jealous. Yeah, that's that is the one perk. I did just finally get that boob tape though. I tried that boob tape. Oh, like the Kim Kardashian boob the Kim tape. Kim Kardashian kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I tried it. You know, when women I was were at- using fucking duct tape before that. I have used it. It have you? Fucking hurts. Yeah, I, it I hear it hurts. hurts like the Dickens. Yeah. I definitely, like, didn't – I didn't know you were supposed to use oil to take this boob tape off. And when I did realize it and, like, Google it, I didn't have any oil because I was, like, at a resort in Mexico. Yes. But – so I might have lost some skin. At a lodge in the Manischewitz. Yeah. Yeah. Different – yes. Different than Manischewitz, but basically as many resources. And then I didn't realize that, like, you actually have hair on your boobs. Mm, like that little peach fuzz? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I read it online and I was like, ew, who has that? And then I looked down and I was like, oh, me. You're like, everyone has peach fuzz on my boobs. <laughs> everyone. Use the oil, so, everyone. Okay, use the oil, PSA. Yeah. So I was talking to my friend before, when I actually talked to my friends when I had COVID. Mm-hmm. It made me very social. If you have yes. COVID, just prepare that it's extremely, it's an extremely social disease. I, like, I texted you and I was not expecting a response. Oh, I'm, like, responding in record time. Yeah. Record time. People want to know how you're doing and, like, you can't talk on the phone, so I got out of a lot of that bullshit. Like, a lot of uh-huh. people with babies were like, oh, she's home. I'm going to FaceTime her. No, not no, happening. No, no babies. But I did text you. I did text you back. Yes. I did text every single person back. I, like, cleaned up text messages from, like, fucking May. You know, wow. that I hadn't responded to. It was it was great. She's but on But I was it. talking to one of my friends about, like, our other friend and... We were talking about whether or not we were going to visit her, right? Okay. And, you know, it's like a group of friends and some people are closer than others and yada, Mm -hmm. yada, yada. And my friend, like, I have a few friends who it's just kind of known, like, that they're not the best friends when you're not with them, Mm -hmm. you know, but they Mm -hmm. still get to enjoy all the benefits of being a best friend and a really good friend. You know what I mean? They get included in the bridesmaids. They get included in the sleepovers, the trips, the, you know, this and that, the plant. Because you can't leave that one out. Right. But they do no work on their part to, like, earn their their keep. Yeah. But then when you're with them, you love them. They're just, like, maybe bad at keeping in touch or don't share your love language or whatever. But I was talking to my friend and she was like, Jade, how long can someone get away with that? Like freeloading mm. on friendship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it made me really think because I was like, huh. Like I think sometimes it's okay because maybe that person is also a low maintenance friend on mm-hmm. the other end. So like you don't need to put in a lot of work. Yeah. But some relationships, like some best friendships of mine, which I enjoy the most, are the most work. Like if mm, I don't check mm-hmm. in every week or if I don't like check in every so often or know where they are or like whatever, know what they're doing, yeah. they don't feel as loved and whatever. And I know that about them. 
But then, like, we share such a closer bond. But I feel badly because as adults, you kind of just lump everyone into it. And you're like, everyone's a best friend. This person who's a really shitty friend is also on the same level as the person who I call when I'm crying or whatever. Yes, yes. Do you have any friends like that? Yeah, I do. And I think, like, they're both valuable for different reasons. Like, the low-maintenance friend who is just sort of, like, maybe a little bit of a joiner. I'm like... I think that can be a joyful experience as well, as long totally. as they are so fun when you do hang out with them. You know what my I mean? My dad used to always say, it was actually my grandpa's quote, we'll give him credit, mm-hmm. was when the shit gets bigger than the cat, get rid of the cat. <laughs> right? So when the cat's shit gets bigger than the yes. cat itself, get rid of the cat. Yes. So that's probably a more self-explanatory quote than my last quote. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, I think you got to weigh pros and cons. Like, yes, if that person do. is just, like, too fun to fucking give up, like, when you're with them yeah. and they suck on ice, like, when you're, you know, right. in every other day of the year, but they, like, or they're are like, stellar why are that you one? talking to me all of Ugh. the time? It's like, no, 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 get out of my life. You, right. the phone works both ways, sweetheart. No, that's, that's what my friend said. She was like, I always feel bad for not reaching out, but then I'm like, the phone goes both ways. No, I absolutely, that is a deal breaker for me. I'm like, if you start complaining that I am not, like, this was the worst, though. Let me tell you this. This tell is pre-COVID. Me. Tell me. I it. had this friend who I was sort of, like, medium wanting to break up with anyway, it was difficult because I'm like, this person is actively like a good friend to me. Right. We sort of accidentally became friends because we were neighbors. But like, she liked me more than I liked her. Mm. And she would do this really, she started, she moved away and she started to do this really passive aggressive thing <gasps> where she just randomly would text me. That's me being in horror. <laughs> yes. She randomly <laughs> would just text me like every couple weeks. Hi. That's Ew. it. As if it's my fucking responsibility to start the conversation with her, oh. but she's letting me know she feels neglected. I <gasps> just stopped responding after a while. I was just like, that's fucking passive aggressive. That should be illegal. It, that should be illegal. That person needs professional help. Yeah. That's really horrible. At least you got to come up with one thing. How yeah. are you? Is How, fine. Yeah, exactly. Not just hi. How are you works? Hi is so gross and needy. Yes. Don't waste my time. This is the worst part. So I was trying to like slowly ghost her by like responding less and less over time. But then like she confided in me that that's the reason she fell in love with her husband is because he's as equally emotionally distant (laughs) as her own father. And I was like, shit, emotional distance is (laughs) what I'm turning her on. No. (laughs) (laughs) She loves this. How do you shake a friend like that? Like, honestly, How do you like, ghost a friend who wants to be ghosted? No, truly. Like, I really do want to get into this, like, when I hit rock bottom in my 20s. Because, like, I don't feel like we've ever really fully gone into it. But I want to mm. get into it in this episode later. Mm-hmm. But that was really great. Honestly, in hindsight, in a lot of ways. But especially in expediting the, like, friendship ending process. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like, because I was depressed. And I was, like, the worst fucking friend ever. Yeah. And those friends that couldn't stand it. Me canceling all the time, like me not starting conversations. I mean, I never did anything as heinous as sending hi. That's, you know, that's <laughs> not my never. Fl- I could, oh my God, I would never. But <laughs> those friendships like ended because I was like, you can't take me at my worst. You can't have me, you know? Yeah, but then also like it sounds like it worked out. You it know did. What I mean, you wanted to leave, so you kind of acted a little bad. Exactly. Like, it oh, definitely wow. was. Like for the most part, most of the friendships that ended during that time were like friendships that really needed to end. Yeah. And I realized like a really big pet peeve of mine. And mm-hmm. I find that a lot of people go through it. But I think a lot of friendships and a lot of people in general, especially your family, if you can find them like triggering at times. Mm-hmm. People like to remember the version of you that they had the most power over. And sometimes they only 
They are married to that version of you and will yes. not let you change. Yeah, they get angry when you start to change. Yes. They get and angry when a- you are not the version of them that they expect, that they... Yes. Oh, my God. You just had a whole mouthful, girl, that they had the most power yes, over. Yes, it's true. It's true. So whether that's five-year-old you who, like, threw a lot of temper tantrums and, you know, they bring it up at Christmas dinner, like, uh-huh. 40 years later, or if it's a friend... I had a lot of friendships that always, always endeavored me. Huh, so okay. they would say like, Jade, you always do that. And oh, you never, never do, do that. You yeah. know? And I was like, fuck you. Like, what if I, what if I'm a changed woman? To, like, right. you know what I mean? Or like, what if I do that sometimes? Right. And yes. it, dro- it drives me fucking crazy. So those <sighs> wow. kinds of things, I really, I feel like if they're not like egregious like that, or like, it's hard to all of a sudden one day just be like, they don't put enough effort into our friendship. It's Mm -hmm. over. You know, like, Mm -hmm. how does that... I feel like those friendships just fizzle, kind of, which is always super awkward. But then there's also the friendships that, like, you can go, like, six months without talking. Or these days, like, you might send each other memes or whatever. And the second you're back together again, it's, like, old times. And those are, like, the most wonderful. I love love, those types of friendships. Me too. Me too. But then when she... So I was, like, kind of living in that. And then Mm -hmm. when my friend, who is, like prides herself on being an incredible friend. She's like the kind of friend that remembers your aunt's birthday unprompted. She was like, how like how long does that person get to like freeload on friendship? And I was like, I never thought of it as like hmm. as in that way. Because they're just part of the group. They're part of the scenery. Right. But if they have like a new significant other and you like don't know about them until you guys see each other again or you yeah. just see it on social media for the first time and and then you're like but I call that person my best friend it's yeah. it's kind of confusing yeah I think it's case by case because I think that sort of situation can kind of go on indefinitely like it can yeah. go on if it's a college friend or a high school friend like in 20 years when you're still getting together with that group if you right. are it's like they're still there probably like how much does history matter You know, Mm -hmm. like I think a lot of people, especially when I went through my huge depressive episode, like so much of the time I'm like, well, they were friends with me during that time. So they can do anything and I have to take it. You feel kind of indebted. But you don't. Yeah, you don't. And it's interesting to reevaluate your friendships uh, in a conscious way. I don't know. It it just like kind of like blew my mind because I was like, yeah, I feel like if you're I guess if you're not fe- if you don't feel like slighted by that mm-hmm. friend and you're yeah. cool with it, it's all up to like how it makes you feel in your soul. You know, yeah. like uh, honestly, I've gotten the text message before, like how are things, and you're like, how the fuck am I supposed to answer that? Like, do you have 45 minutes in your day to just un- like to yeah. type a whole essay about like yourself? No, otherwise it's just fine, and that's yeah. not worthwhile either. You know, right? Or like they don't like talking on the phone or whatever it is. Yeah. Even if they feel entitled to the same spot as, like, your really good friends, Mm -hmm. like, that's where I think it's tough, too. Because, like, I think as you get older, unfortunately, like, those fun friends, like, aren't as valuable because, like, real life is happening. Yeah. Not necessarily as valuable, but their value changes for sure. Yes, that's true. And so it's, like... Especially the party girl friends. They have a lot less value as you get older. Right. Right. Oh, my God. If I had a party girlfriend, I would literally (laughs) think I don't have any of those. But, yeah, I think it's interesting. If they're, like, a pain in the ass, if they're, like, oh, but you invited this person or, like, I should be invited to all these things. Like, Mm -hmm. I think if you're going to be that kind of friend, you have to also be extremely self-aware in the process. And, like, you know, like, not if someone – if you don't get invited to something because you haven't contributed to that friendship at all in the Mm -hmm. past two years, you know, like, check yourself. Yeah. You know, before, Mm -hmm. like, throwing a fit. 
Because then you're going to make people tell you that you're a bad friend. You're going to force yeah. people to actually admit it, you know? Mm-hmm. You're going to make people be like, well, you're not as close as, you know, with so-and-so. And that's why you weren't right. asked to be a bridesmaid. Right. A bridesmaid. Here we go. All, all roads lead, <laughs> lead back. I did it this time. I did it this Okay. Time. Thank God. We should keep ta- – we should, like, keep score. Yeah. So we, we take a shot every time we talk about the wedding. Seriously. Oh, oh my God. God. Seriously. Oh, my God. Wait, just really quickly. Speaking of death, really quick. You yes. know what's really been getting me down? What's that? The fact death. that, like, no, because <laughs> it, no, it really is. Being the youngest, like, I always thought was the best gig in town. Like, it really uh-huh. is. Like, I'm the youngest of four kids, and yeah. being the baby is a huge tent, the only tent pole of my personality. <laughs> like, I am a quintessential youngest child. <sighs> but then I was talking to Dylan when we were on the beach the other day, and I was like, do you ever think that our whole families are going to die before us? And it got very dark. I was mm-hmm. like, that's really the the rub of, that's our cross to yeah, bear as the youngest. It is. Let this be a PSA that you should just not go on vacation with me because evidently I think that's appropriate beach conversation. I mean, honestly, obviously people die in random orders most of the time. Totally. But also a lot of times they don't. Yeah, theoretically. Like my mom is the last one of her family members. Well, she's not even very old. No. And no one in her life knows her before the age of 29. Imagine. Wow, that's I know. wild. First of all, the anonymity you could have. Like, you could invent. Right? She can, and she does invent stories. And I'm like, she could literally <laughs> invent an entire past. Like, and I would have no idea. But I just thought that was, that was just on my mind. I was going to say, she could tell stories about Studio 54, but she probably has stories about Studio 54. Oh, yeah. No, so. she's, oh, we know she's the funnest. <laughs> she, she has all those good stories. Yes. By the way, I cannot wait to meet your mom at this wedding. I know. I'm we like, like, oh, my psyched. God, Catherine, I'm afraid for you guys to meet. I feel like you guys are going to gang up on me. No, <laughs> you, so you are fun. seriously going to love her. No, like no one there's wait. no one doesn't love her. She's like absolutely insane in in, in every way <laughs> yes. and wonderful. Like she's but she's also exactly like me. If I yeah. do say so myself. <laughs> no. So I feel like you guys will really get along. I can't. You guys wait. will really vibe. I put up a "Ask Me Anything" for like guests you want to see on the show, and everyone was like, "Your mom." And I was your like, Let's "I was like, Catherine's it. really going to be traumatized if we do that. It's going to be like family <laughs> therapy 101. It's going to get intense. So like, enter at your own risk, but we will plan it. Okay, I just have God. to be really brave and like yeah. take a Xanax first. I believe. Speaking in you. of taking a Xanax, so I wanted to talk about like when I hit rock bottom, and I call it that, and like mm. I probably shouldn't even call it that. But I just was reading this girl that was like, t- not. I was not reading. I'm lying to you guys. I watched a TikTok, okay? I watched a fucking TikTok. I'm always like, I read this article. No, but I really was watching a TikTok that was like, this 23-year-old girl, which was the age that I was when I fell down, let's say. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you feel so old, basically. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember at that time really feeling like, oh my God, I'm just a fuck up. My life's over. I had to take like two years off my life and I'll tell the full story, but like really heal myself. And you just feel like 23 is the oldest you'll ever be, you know, and, yeah. and you don't yeah. like it's it's honestly like I didn't think that I would have this hindsight this early. But being 28, the age I am right now, I'm like, thank fucking God, because that was an inevitable thing for me. Yes. I think some people maybe actually I don't believe it. I think everyone at some point, whether it's like a death that makes you brings you to your knees or mm-hmm. any other life circumstance or if you have mental illness, there's usually a crux point, you know, like where you yeah. hit a rock bottom or you hit yeah. like a really low point. And I'm so fucking grateful it happened in my 20s. It was going to happen at some point for sure, yeah. you know, so it was either like when I'm 50 and have kids 
mm-hmm. or like when I'm 23 and had no consequences. Right. And thank God when it happens at that time. Totally. But I thought at that time, like, it's going to set me back so far because in your 20s, you always feel like that anyway. There's so much pressure on yourself and from nowhere else to have it all figured out at like 21, 22, 25. There's so much pressure of like, what's the next step? Yeah. And you like firmly believe in your 20s that everyone is fucking looking at you. Yeah, You know, like that everyone cares and is paying attention because you kind of still do live in that like weird borderline college, high school Childhood, environment. Thing. Yeah, especially yes. if you live in the same city that you grew up in, mm-hmm. <gasps> you know, which mm-hmm. I do. Anyway, so, you know, I, I had a lot of perfectionism tendencies when I was younger and I didn't really know about mental illness. Like I knew my parents were both mentally ill, but like I didn't know like <laughs> that I had it or anything. And it's kind of in hindsight that I see that. Yeah. But it wasn't like debilitating. It didn't affect my day-to-day life. I just was like hyper fixated on perfection, Mm, looking perfect, mm -hmm. like don't look behind the curtain, like just look at me. I'm going to tap dance for you. I'm going to be everything that you want me to be. I was such a people pleaser, you know, whatever. And I went to college because I went to the same school for 13 years, you know, from Mm -hmm, kindergarten through 12th grade. And so everyone knew my business. Everyone knew where the skeletons were buried. I was friends with people that I had to be just because I'd known them since I was five, you know, like I I, I was was very much the same situation. Right. Yeah. So I'd like really was excited to like go to college. I went to a random college. It's not random in general. I went to University of Miami, (laughs) but it was very random for me. Like it was, everyone was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like people had bets. That's how you know you have toxic friends. My (laughs) friends had bets. Like if if you didn't know I had toxic friendships, I had friends that had bets like with their dumbass moms that were like, oh, how long is Jade going to last at college? Because like it was so crazy that I was going just yeah just out of out of the box yeah thank god I went there I met like my best friends in the fucking world and I met Dylan which obviously is amazing but I was like so excited thank god I was so excited to make friends like as an adult like as who Mm -hmm. Jade is as an adult so then you know years passed my family was definitely all like oh my god you're a different person I feel like you're so much happier like I was president of my grade every single year before and like I spent every other month of that year campaigning like trying to get people to like me like I had a disease Mm -hmm. when I was in school if I wasn't invited to like the weird girl's birthday party yeah I was like distraught you know what I mean like I gave such a shit about everyone and everything and anyway when I had my abortion which was like a purely and we need to talk a lot more about abortion even than we already have because you know whatever luckily I had rights back then so I was Mm. able to obtain one and that was like a you know a blemish shall we say and I was you know ready to like purely fake it till I made it again and pick myself up and just like dust myself off and keep going in a fake way or just like perfect and really hating like any vulnerability hating you know I was always this girl like that like talk you're like no one has to know and I gotta be perfect and I got right and it just that wasn't available to me my regular way of coping wasn't available to me my mental illness was boom shot to the roof I've talked about this before but having panic attacks every day really severely depressed and I had like this brand new job because I'd just come out of college right Mm -hmm. I started to feel all those symptoms like depression and severe severe panic attacks in college but being in bed all day is kind of 
normal-ish in college and you have class at four that you don't really have to go to, so you can disguise it a little easier. My friends were definitely like, saw a shift in me, but I don't think I made it really a safe space to ask me because I just was not myself. And it was like really dark. And I think it was like a lot of unprocessed like childhood trauma. I think it was like a lot of things coming out at once, but it was like the dam had broken. Yeah. And it was I I never experienced mental illness like that and it was also triggering because my mom was in bed throughout my entire childhood. Yeah. So, you know, we love her, but she has really bad clinical depression. Yeah. So I kind of not leaned into it, but I was with this terrible therapist that was an overprescriber mm. for sure mm-hmm. and prescribed me benzos, Xanax mm-hmm. when I first mentioned that I had panic attacks, right? Mm-hmm. And having not had anxiety, for, like I had friends that had Xanax from when they were nine years old and on, like, you know what I mean? That took it every so often or like yeah. had flight anxiety, which I really think it's only meant for, like things like yeah. that, you know? sporadic stuff. But this doctor was like, you should never feel uncomfortable. So if you ever start mm. to feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. take this pill, right? Mm-hmm. What I understood that as, like, I'm uncomfortable 24-7. All seven. the time. I had this new job. Like, I put myself in, like, the scariest meetings. You know what I mean? I was really putting yeah. myself out there and hyperextending myself. Mm-hmm. And I was uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. And then what they don't tell you is that you have, A, rebound anxiety from mm-hmm. the Xanax. Mm-hmm. And also your tolerance fucking builds. Goes up. Like, yeah. immediately. Like, yeah. in two seconds. Yeah. So I was taking this all the time to function because I was yeah. like, I can't leave the house without it. I can't. And I was just like, I guess this is how everyone with anxiety copes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because I'd never really had anxiety before. And that's how I heard it talked about. Like, oh, I have Xanax and I you take it all the time. And it's like when you're taking Xanax that much. And I also was like on a cocktail of antidepressants and stuff, which mm-hmm. was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like this doctor was re- really fucked my shit up. But it was really, really dark. You know, and it was really embarrassing because Xanax also does something funny with your inhibitions, obviously, because you're like, when you take it, you're like, oh, I'm not worried about anything. Like, I'll, you know, and I just wasn't myself at all. So there, A, were like two or three years that if I even look at text messages from that time, even like birthday texts, like with 72 exclamation points, like (laughs) I just wasn't me. And I was having panic attacks nonstop. And I thought yeah. that this was like my life sentence. Like I thought it was either like I was on Xanax. You're and- like, this is how it's going to be forever. It's how it's going to be forever. Like yeah. truly. Needless to say, all of my relationships like went up in flames because I was just so volatile and like emotionally charged. And Dylan was unfucking believable And it's a huge reason why I'm marrying him, obviously, because mm-hmm. he's that kind of guy through all those kinds of things always. But he was right there with me the whole time. And Never was, like, embarrassed by me, which you should have been at that time, you know? (laughs) And But, like, all my friendships really were horrible. And they were all talking about me behind my back because, like, they were all like, what the fuck is wrong with her? Like, my friends that were not friends would see each other out and, like, tell me later that they were all, like, talking about me. It was, like, so, so dark. And I eventually quit my job because my dad and my mom were, like, girlfriend. I actually put myself Mm. in the hospital and I was like, I'm spinning out of control and I can't get a grip. You know, I was really angry also, which was kind of foreign and weird to me. I was like, I was just like confrontational. You don't run high to angry generally. No, it's like I cry first. Like I'm sad first. Yeah. So yeah, it was like really foreign. And I was like, I can't get a grip. And like, also like I'm getting in fights with everyone in my life. I'm stressing everyone out. That's the thing. Like, I think that took me so long to really understand and digest was that it wasn't conscious. 
You know, you were taking it as prescribed. Well, I mean, I was, yes. Like, I was taking it whenever I was anxious, which honestly started to increase, obviously, as the more I took the Xanax. So where at one point I needed one pill to get me to not have a panic attack, now I need two. So I was increasing my doses. Amounts that now, if I took that, I would literally be asleep on the floor. Right. right. But I just didn't know. And I think that that's really common with benzos and and with Mm painkillers. You know, like my friend in high school, she had to go on painkillers because she broke her back or whatever and was dependent on painkillers for like a, a little bit, not anything really serious. But if you let it go on for long enough, like that's what these drugs do. But yeah. no one tells you that when no. you get prescribed them. They do, but not in any effective way. Right. I had no grace for myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're the scum of the earth. You have failed everything. I just quit mm-hmm. my job. Everyone knows that I quit my job. Which is probably the thing that you were clinging to because it yes. was like the thing that gave you your power. Because I was overachieving at that job. Yeah. Right. I was like really overachieving and like mm-hmm. really going for it. And so I just, the lights turned off. I just was so ashamed. I had to go on all these medications to go off of the Xanax, to go off of all the other antidepressants that I was on. Because it wasn't only the Xanax, it was all these other cocktails of pills that I was on. And as a lot of you may know or may not know, I went to an outpatient mental health center that helped me with that. And I did like group therapy with all these other kids who I'm honestly like I thought were a lot worse off than me. But in hindsight, definitely weren't. It took me fucking years, 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 years to like fully reconcile within myself or even like mention on this show or mention to my friend. It would be like we couldn't bring up those three years, Mm, you know, mm -hmm, I just mm -hmm. lived in complete denial. Like I was like, I don't want to recognize that because I had to like really start from ground zero again. Yeah. It's hard to own behavior when you don't feel like yourself. And frankly, you were not yourself during that time. Not at all. And Mm. it's like you're embarrassed because other people remember you at that time and you can't scrub their memory as much as I wish. Someday, you guys, I will invent something that will make it you able to scrub things from other people's memories because I was like, oh, my God, I felt captive to their memories. You know what I mean? I was like, I wish everyone could just start over like I'm starting over, but that's not how life works, you know? And I I lost those years of resume experience that I thought were like so valuable, you know, that I needed in life. I was like, how am I supposed to explain taking two years off and Mm -hmm. at my next job? And I just was so humiliated and I lost so many friendships and I I lost my whole life. Like when I went into the hospital, like when I came out, I was expecting everyone to just be like, oh, okay, she's good now. And everyone was like in the wreckage of like all the turmoil that I'd left behind. Did you find everyone was tiptoeing around you? Yes. They were afraid of breaking you? Uh-huh. And But also more than that, I think they were like scared of me. Hmm. I was so emotional, emotionally charged during that time. Mm-hmm. And also I was in such denial yeah. that I was like angry. You yeah. know, I was like also angry that it had happened. I was angry that I let myself get to that point. My whole perfectionism came crumbling down. Yeah. So for me, I was like, who am I if not perfect? Mm-hmm. Who am I? And that's why I started, honest to God, that's why I started this show. Because at that time, I'll never forget, I listened to like, I think Lena Dunham, I don't think, I know. Lena Dunham, mm-hmm. she did an episode on a podcast that was like a very similar story. And it was the first time I ever heard someone else talk about it. I listened to Lena Dunham's story and I was like, oh my God, like I felt a sense of freedom because I felt like someone had actually languaged my suffering in a way that like I couldn't bring myself to do. 
mm-hmm. because it would have taken far too much self-awareness, honestly, mm-hmm. at the time and like honesty. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't ready to share it myself. But I thought like if we have podcast episodes of people sharing their truth in like a casual way, and I'll never forget how casually she told the story, mm-hmm. like as if mm-hmm. it didn't define her, as if it mm-hmm. didn't make her less than, as if it didn't, you know, all these things. For the first time, I was like, maybe it doesn't make me less than. And now I'm like, thank God I I had that experience because it changed my life. Like, first Mm -hmm. of all, I don't know when I would have gotten my mental health under control because I had to. It's all I had to focus on. By the way, I was really lucky to be able to, like, stop my life and not work for those that period of time. I was in therapy twice a week. I really locked down my mental health to the point where, like, I'm only on Lexapro now. Not that yeah. that matters. You can be on a whole bevy of things that work for you, you know, but I'm right, on medication right. that works for me. And I lost all those friendships, but it, I was lucky that it kind of all happened. Like, it, it was an explosion. Yeah. So it all happened at once. But I just hope that that's what we're accomplishing with this show. Mm-hmm. People hearing their truth articulated and that that causes a ripple effect of freedom, you know, because mm-hmm. I think shame thrives in silence. And I was so deeply ashamed and it was so linked to my shame as a child Mm -hmm. and like what I experienced then. And so to hear someone else explain what you've been through in like a confident and calm and, you know, whatever way, it's the greatest thing, you know, but like kind of like blase, like being like, yeah, I went through that. So what? Uh I was like, what? What do you mean? So what? Like, because I felt like I was identified by that. And it's still, like, uncomfortable for me sometimes when people bring up that time, but, like, so much less so now, obviously, because I actually have my life back on track and have the life that I promised myself I would give myself, you know, at the end. And Mm -hmm. shit's going to keep happening, of course. You know, that wasn't, like, my one thing. But I think it was so hard until I got to this point because I was, like, I'm not even proud of the life I'm living after this. I feel like I'm still suffering the consequences. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to say, like, if you feel like you hit a rock bottom that you wish, like, everyone else could forget, I'm so with you. It happens so much more often than you think. Maybe it's outside of your town. Maybe, you know, it's just in another universe, in another state, there is another person suffering in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, I don't know, that perspective that I've hit recently, honestly, I'm kind of ashamed to admit, but recently I've come to this place where I'm like, what the fuck am I embarrassed about that story for? Mm -hmm. You know? You don't have to be. But thank God, like that took me so long to get there, you know? Yeah. So I just like want to say, if you hit a rock bottom in your 20s, it'll be a fucking blip on your radar by the end of your 20s. Or even your 30s, 40s, it'll only get smaller and smaller in the distance. But if you can do that work then, you're also really lucky to experience that then. Because some people experience it at a hellish time when they have five kids and they, you know, like need to do all these other things. So, but I've kind of, you know, come to understand that that's what your 20s are for. I think we think they're all about learning and building, but sometimes it's just as important to unlearn and deconstruct in your 20s and that you need setbacks in order to grow. You can't just succeed at everything and expect to grow and evolve and heal. So you have to give yourself grace. There's a reason for everything. Like I wouldn't have started the show had it not been for that experience Mm -hmm. because I felt so fucking alone. Like I thought I was the only person on the planet that was that had done that. And I felt so guilty. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to like revisit that with you guys and kind of, you know, set myself free because I feel like when you share your story with other people, it gives your suffering intention, which Mm. can feel good. And purpose, purpose. And purpose. Yeah. It just feels like, okay, I'm like suffering 
so that I can share this with other people so that other yeah. people don't feel the way I had to feel for so long. Yeah. You know? Okay. So do you feel fully caught up? I do. Oh my gosh. I didn't really know that part of your story in that depth and breadth ever yeah. before, but I'm so glad you shared that. I know. I feel like we had to catch up on the past, present, and future today. We, we really <laughs> we had to go through all the motions. We so did. thank you guys for listening. I love you so much. And Catherine, you are just the love of my life. And thank you for doing oh, these with me you. all the time. And I love when we do these. You know, this this season has a lot more solo, Catherine, solo, Jade, whatever you want to call them, live from bed episodes, because I think you guys really like getting to know us in this way. And yeah. I just appreciate you listening. So I'll see you guys back here next week. Catherine, I'll see you in two seconds and I'll talk to you later. <laughs>